Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? It's, uh, it's February. Uh, February. 28th, uh, which is Valerie's, sweet Valerie's birthday, which means we went to a um, uh, sushi lunch where I had some sake and maybe a toke of the, of the toasty tote. So listen, bear with me through this intro. It's 6.07 p.m. and I gotta get it together. Say hi, Val. Hi, Val. Oh, boy. <laughs> She's toasted too. We took a nap and we thought it would wear off before we had dinner guests, but here we are. And it's time to be really silly and silly. Silly and silly. A uh, couple things to... couple things. It's like when my manager calls me. Hey, buddy, a couple things. Uh, Dave Raff, shout out in the intro. This is Reza Aslan, who is incredible. Um, he, he's so, so amazing. He's got a new series coming out called Believer on CNN, March 5th. You've got to check it out. Uh, I'm not just saying that. I'm going to check this out. This sounds like a show handmade for me. Is that a thing? Tailor-made? I I care more about whether or not it was made with the hands. This was handmade for me. We talk about it. Rez and I talk about it. He's incredible. He only had 90 minutes for me, so I should make this intro extra long. He only had 90 minutes, but when a guest comes in like him and hits the ground running, all you need is 90 minutes. So start watching uh, Believer March 5th. On CNN, I am seriously going to. And while we're at it, Crashing woo, woo, is on HBO Sunday nights at 10.30. It means so much that people have been watching. Episode 3 is me and TJ Miller. It's going to be incredible. And Lauren Lapkus and George Basil, who plays Leaf, who everybody's loving everybody. Check it out this Sunday, 10.30 on HBO. You can also... Oh, my screen turned off. You can also watch the pilot. Ah, you can watch the pilot on hbo.com slash crashing, and you can watch the first two episodes and then three on HBO Go and HBO Now. There are all different ways to get HBO. I'm pretty sure you can sign up for promotions. They give you HBO Now for like a month. So check all that out. Please watch the show. It means so much that weirdos are liking it. I, I'm really over the moon with the response. Thank you so much for checking it out. Uh, all the t-shirts and stuff that have been inspired by this podcast are available at store.peteholmes.com. That includes the new Andy Richter t-shirt, I am a lovable, fuckable human being. If there's ever been something that you need to wear on your shirt when you visit your parents, it's I'm a lovable, fuckable human being. You like that one, my love? Yeah, that was funny. Thank you kindly. <laughs> the one uh, the one live date to promote where Val will be there. That'll be fun. Uh, we're going to Grand Rapids where my dear friend Kurt and Matilda live on Saturday, March 18th at the Fountain Street Church as part of Gilda's Laugh Fest. Uh, it's a Pete and Friends show, which means I'll be doing a good, uh, a significant amount of time and also having some guests as well. Support for today's show comes from our beloved Squarespace. Guys, it's 2017 and people are reading the wrong envelope for best picture. 
You need a website is what I'm saying. Whether you're building a, a, a new business or launching a creative project, Squarespace is here to help you make an eye-catching professional website that stands out. And all you need to do to make your next move for this year, a gallery, a landing page, a blog, you just need to go to squarespace.com and enter offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase plus a free domain. I don't know what you're up to. I'd like to, but I don't know. But whatever it is, it needs a website. Support this show and use squarespace.com. Use offer code WEIRD. We also, uh, I love promoting these because uh, they're clearly changing the lives of a lot of people. Uh, people come up to me now and they say, hey, I love the podcast. I love uh, the show. Whatever, I love your comedy. Whatever it may be. <laughs> I, just, I just go off for 20 minutes. People are like, I love your hair. I was going to say hair. That's so funny. I love your hair. How do I get your body? I want the body of a child. How do I get your body? That's what they say to me. Uh, but they're, they're seriously talking about how much Alpha Brain has changed their life. Alpha Brain is my favorite supplement. It's like a vitamin for your noodle, okay? It's a nootropic. It's not a stimulant. It's not like coffee. It doesn't keep you awake or perk you up. It just gives you food for your brain. If you have an exam, if you have a presentation, if you have a stand-up show, if you have a podcast, if you're me, if you're writing a, a, a script, if you're me or you, if you're you, take Alpha Brain. I swear, this is a Pete's pick. This is legit something that changed my life. It's a nootropic. Like I said, it's... Did I say that? Damn it. Valerie. Look, I was going off script and then I went on script. The point is, I haven't gone a day without taking Alpha Brain for the past three years. Whenever I'm doing something, even meditating or sleeping and trying to have really cool lucid dreams, Alpha Brain is there for me. I keep a bottle in my backpack, in my car. Every single shirt I wear, there's always a couple in the front pocket. Every jacket I wear, there's a couple in the pockets. If I am going to record a podcast and I forget some, I will go back to my car and get Alpha Brain. Especially talking to someone like Reza he used to be the religious studies professor for Harvard University. How do you go in without some sort of edge, Alpha Brain? That's how. Yeah, I want you to try it. I'm, I'm not even kidding. This shit changed my life. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird and you get 10% off uh, as many times as you want. I hope you like it as much as I do because if you do, you're going to shit your pants. Also, Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. I know you guys know this and I'm glad you guys know this because this is seriously a daily game changer for me. When people come up to me at shows now, they say, hey, that changed my life. Back pain, neck pain, sleeping, anxiety. I know, I can't say those things are, are backed by the FDA, but this is what I am saying as a person who loves it. I, I fall asleep better when I'm touring and doing all these shows and you come back and adrenalized and you can't, re- can't, I burped, you can't relax. Take some motherfucking Charlotte's Web. Is this too stupid? No, I like it. Thank you. The first time I took it right here in this house, I started doing like a weird octopus dance. It just makes me feel loose. It gives me a happy, healthy glow. And here's the thing. For those of you that don't smoke weed, when I smoke weed, like today, I go a little bit nuts. This is a functional product. It's CBD, not 
THC. THC is the psychoactive part of, t- of, uh, of the plant. You can read a book. You can hold a conversation. You can follow a movie. You don't end up eating a bag of Cheetos and watching Mr. Belvedere. You just have a calm, happy glow that I really love. Good, clean, and clear. Whatever you're doing, flying in a middle seat, take just a little bit of C- CW hemp oil, and you will enjoy your life a little bit more. Seriously. I love it. I love Alpha Rain. I love CW Hump. Get into these Pete's picks. For, uh, for Charlotte's Web, go to CW Hump, CW Hump, CWHemp.com slash weird and use promo code, all one word, you made it weird, to get 10% off their fine, fine product. Guys, those are the Pete's picks. Get into it. Be like me, who has it all sexy and fresh. Is that good? That might have been overstating it. And to remind you... Oh, nice flowers. We're having company over in a minute. Whatever your next idea might be, I want to reiterate this. Squarespace is there to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life. Whether you're planning a new business, a new creative project, or a complete change in careers. I don't know what you're up to. Maybe you're pulling a huge mother effing u-turn in your life squarespace's beautifully designed templates and customizable features give you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start you you might not know what you're doing no one can tell from your website squarespace it's got your back you even get a unique domain to set you apart in your field plus squarespace's award-winning templates uh, and uh, user support. I'm going off script. I know this. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And if you have a question, there's 24-7 customer support to help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial seeming, or if it's just like a front for something you're feeling emotionally. They will help you through it. Think of them as your very own IT department. So, make your next move and start your free trial at squarespace.com today and use offer code WEIRD to get 10% off your first purchase plus a free mo- uh, free domain. Free domain. Again, that's WEIRD. W-E-I-R-D to get 10% off. Squarespace, make a website and show your support for at least one of your top 10 favorite podcasts. Right, Valerie? Right. Hey, Brody, you want to say something? Come here. Be in the intro. Say something. No. Those are just dog noises. <laughs> Happy birthday, Valerie. Thank you, my love. I love you so, so much. I love you, too. I thought I'd wake up a little bit more sober, but here we are. Saying squirtbus. And it's February, which is the drunk month. Like, you get pulled over, and they're like, hey, what month is it? And they're like, February. They're like, come with us. Fuck February. Except that it's Valerie's birth month. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I just mean the word. I get it. Not the time. Yeah. In a Native American way, this is just now. Yes. (laughs) I'm sure they had calendars, too. That's short-sighted. Okay. Listen, I apologize for that Native Americans didn't have calendars remark. <laughs> I apologize for trying to get Brody to talk, even though I knew he wouldn't. But I don't apologize for bringing you Reza Aslan and Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil and Alpha Brain. And I'm coming to Gilda's Laugh Fest and Squarespace. You want to say getting into it? Yeah, I love that. I just get to say it now. When you're around. 
Okay, that's fair. If you're not around, but you're around. I am. And I'm glad. So friends. Two, three, four. Get into it. Oh boy. Sounds like you're selling peanuts. Peanuts. At a, <laughs> a pop-up carnival. All carnivals are pop-up. This this intro is 12 minutes. I'm so sorry. It's so weird. Get into it. Hey, Rez. How are you, man? What's up, dude? How are you? Have a seat. Welcome. I'm so, this is, you. honest to goodness, the first time. Would you mind? Uh, oh, this yeah, one? not at all. Yeah. I'm just oh, you're, you're a good man. <laughs> just random over compliments. You're a handsome man. Thanks for well, putting thank that you. there. <laughs> yeah, you are a good looking man. You feel like a happy, happy, friendly I feel like dude? I used to be better looking before I had three kids. You know what I mean? You have three children? I have three kids. I have twin five year olds. No boy. Boys. I and love it. Two, and then a two-year-old boy. Uh, five and two. Yeah. So it's nuts. Yeah, they just beat the shit out of me <laughs> on a regular basis. Life like, is... Regularly, they just... Yeah. I, You know, Valerie and I talk about having kids. I'm, I'm actually engaged. Oh, congratulations. Like, uh, yeah, thank you kindly. I don't like saying fiancé because it sounds like a, a sword I have in a case. <laughs> and it, you know what else I don't like? It sounds like she nagged me, which she never would. She's, mm-hmm. she's sweet as pie. But when you when I hear a guy say my fiance, I feel the for, it's wrong. But I feel like he was coerced into saying. You know, no one wants to say it. I feel like that it, there is a strangely nagging quality to that. Fia- word that who? I've never noticed. Before. I want to say Valerie, wife. I'm very cool <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah. But fiance is like I'm promised to someone. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's right. That's and right. And it, it doesn't <laughs> f- fit in or sound like any other words that we have. No. Maybe financier. Financier, which, which is terrible. Also a yeah. terrible word. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it about no, me. but. This but we want to really, have kids. This is really fascinating now that I think about it. We never, um, we, 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 Jessica and I, we, 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 it was like we met each other and we're like, oh, let's just yes. do this. Were you dating a long time before you became fiancés? No, we met and then had kids, basically. Shut up. Yeah, we were like, hey, how's it going? Oh, I've got twins. That's so, basically what happened. Pardon the expression, she was, she was knocked up. Je- she, she was knocked up. We had a, we had a shotgun. Style. Wedding. Well, in fact, the funny thing is, is that we were like, well, we don't need to get married. Like, marriage is so. Well, you're in the business of finding things that might be archaic or or forgotten. Like, it seems like like, you know your next book might be about what. What are we doing with this? Precisely. (laughs) And so we we but we knew we wanted to have a family. So we like you know we it was like I remember clearly it was New Year's Eve. And our and we're like, well, let's just get off birth control and see what happens. I love two it. days later, pregnant with twins. See, um, it's always the hands of men with the loaded yeah, guns. That's, <laughs> that's all, you know, right? And then the funny thing is, the funny thing is, is that, um, and we were like, okay, we're gonna be like the the cool contemporary couple. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. like we we're not we don't like a, we don't gonna, need a piece of paper, man. You're gonna surround it exactly. You're gonna George Carlin it. So I called my insurance company. <laughs> And uh, and I'm I'm also a professor, and so I like I have like University of California insurance, and I was like, so my girlfriend, my partner, yep, you know, uh, is pregnant, and they were like, congratulations, um, we will gladly cover the fetus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said that, yeah, but not the mom, Woman. not the mom not the with mom. the fetus. Yeah, and I was like, the burger, not the bun. Yeah, I was like, they're kind of <laughs> attached to each other. Like, there's no, you know what I mean? Like, it's where, such a weird thing to say. Where does one end and one begin? Exactly. You're and they were like, we understand that, but um, we can't cover her because you're not married. 
but we can cover the babies. See, Reds, this is what I'm talking about. There are these strange, very unromantic, uh, dare I say, penis softening, (laughs) vagina drying (laughs) Mm -hmm. reasons for getting married. One of them is... God insurance. forbid, uh, insurance, things like that, but also like hospital visit. You yeah. hear horror stories about gay, lesbian couples that were before it was married, uh, legal, not able to visit each other. And you're just like, shit. And Val has shitty health insurance. And I have like health insurance from three different unions. Yeah, and I'm right. just like, this is a waste. Yeah. We need to get this together. It's funny you brought that up because the funniest thing about this is that the insurance uh, person was like, wait, 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 are you guys the same sex? And I was like, no. See? She's like, oh, too bad. Because if you were the same sex, the University of California will cover you if you've been living with each other for five minutes. Really? If you've been living with each other for like five minutes, you may as well be a married couple. But if you've been living with each other for five years and you're different sexes, then I'm sorry. There's nothing that we can do for you. And I was like – that's is kind of cool. <laughs> it's sort of progressive, yes, I guess. Yes, like, yes, like, yes. You're so cool and, and uh, progressive in this way, but in this other way, yeah, they're like, so sorry, weird. there's a yeah. bylaw that says if she owns three cows and an acre of land, <laughs> yeah. then we can then cover can do it. But well, we're also incredibly progressive in this other way. <laughs> well, that's great, crazy. Yeah. So you, you did it for the unromantic. We did it. We actually, what we did is we had a, a party. Uh, we told everybody it was an engagement party. Yeah. Ooh. And they uh, they came to the engagement party, and we like we drank, we ate, and then we were all gonna go like inside for dinner. And we kind of stood up and said, "Hey, before we go inside, let's get married." Oh and we my just kinda, god! Like, got married. Did they get a big laugh? It got a big laugh, and yeah. also nobody knew we were pregnant. So like we gave it we gave it away. We're like, oh, and we're getting married. Oh, and we're pregnant. Oh, and it's twins. I love and it. like my family's head just exploded. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Well, it is on my mind. You're from Iran. Yes, and uh, Iran. 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 You're from Iran. Yeah. Uh, Shukran. <laughs> that's is that, is that's that Arabic. Fuck that's Arabic. my face. <laughs> Fuck my face. You speak Iranian. Persian, yeah. Persian. Fuck my face twice. Yeah. Look, man, you're a professor. You're an acclaimed <laughs> author. You're speaking with a comedian. I'm just a, go- I'm just a goofus of a man. <laughs> I couldn't believe I thought of Shukran, but it was wrong. <laughs> that was pretty good, though. It was but, wrong. Yeah. And uh, Kumail, I know a, a couple phrases in Urdu. Yeah. In fact, when I got uh, Also not Arab. I know. I'm aware. <laughs> I know. At least I know that. He uh, texted me the word because uh, he used to have a bit where he goes, Sharikaro, which is the word for uh, married. <laughs> anyway, unrelated things. It's like telling an Irish person, like a Scottish yeah. anecdote. It's well, like completely wrong. Whatever, white is white. You, you must run into that a lot. White people? I just mean people having no <laughs> context. You yeah, know? I do. In fact, like, growing up, I uh, everyone just kind of assumed that like me and like the Indian guy and the Afghan guy were all Arabs. Yeah, of course. It's like, oh, look, you guys are all a bunch of Arabs. Right. And we're like, no, not really. Right. In fact, it's funny because, you know, uh, Persians in general, uh, and I'm not, I don't think I'm giving anything away here, are extremely racist people. Okay. (laughs) We're like, (laughs) we are the greatest civilization in the world. Yes. We create, we are the Aryans. Yeah. You know, that's what Iran means. Is that right? Aryan means. Shut the fuck. Iran means the people from the land of Aryan. We are the, we are the original Aryans. But not the Aryan 2.0 was like Hitler's bag. Yeah, that's why Hitler was so stupid. He was like, <laughs> he loved, he loved Zarathustra, right? Who was a Persian prophet. Okay. And he kept talking about the Aryans and we were like, that's us, dude. Yeah. That's, 
You're, that's that's weird. There's always there's always like South Africans can be that way. White white, white South Africans are like, yeah. you know, the gods came and bred with us, and that's why we don't <laughs> look like why anybody. We're white. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of little groups around there, but certainly white people are walking around like like their white people shit doesn't stink. Yeah, but so that's the thing with Persians too is that like Persians tend to hate everybody else. Yeah, you know, like especially Arabs. It's the Boston Arabs, of of the East. Indians. <laughs> yeah. Very exactly. I'm from Boston, and that's where you get the micromanaging like. Oh, you're a Catholic, this or that. You like they'll they'll find ways to I, be prejudiced. To you. I lived in Boston for two years. Get out! It is the most well, racist you, fucking place yeah. I have ever been in my life. And, and I lived in Mississippi. <laughs> I lived in Mississippi. We have good PR. Yeah, you know what it's I mean. Unbelievable. If you have MIT and Harvard, you can like yeah, you sweep like, a lot to yeah. the side. But no, I mean I'm talking like what do you want, boy? Yeah. Levels of racism. Ooh. Like I've never. I mean whatever. Like when you're Middle Eastern and you're Muslim. Muslim and you know people. People are gonna look at you funny anyway. Was that a cop? No, the burger guy, the guy making me a burger. Oh god! Um, I'm getting talked down to by a guy in an apron. I know Boston. I love all people, including people in aprons. I remember the tasty. I got some of your pickle. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking Harvard Square's changed. I know. The, now, the it's like an Abercrombie and Fitch now. Or it something. really is. Yeah. And the only thing that's left, because uh, I go back from time to time, is Newberry Comics, and I'm, yeah. I, the the clock is ticking on that one. Yeah, because the one in Burlington just closed. Yeah. I used to love – I went to Cambridge Friends School. Have you ever heard oh, of it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the Quaker School the in Quakers. town. I love the Quakers. So I love the Quakers too. Good group, good group. They leave people alone. You know, they do. They, I used to actually work for the Quakers. My first job in D.C. How was, is this possible? Is this, are you uh, the usual suspecting me? Yeah, where yeah. If I say <laughs> exactly. that, you're just like, yeah, I work for the Quakers and I lived in Boston. <laughs> None of this is true. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Friends Committee on National Legislation. Well, that sounds very much like a Quaker thing. It, you know, this is tr- true story. Hmm. The Quakers invented the concept of lobbying. Is that right? The very first lobbyists in huh. D.C. were Quakers right. and they set up essentially this um this you know building in in dc and the entire purpose of it was to lobby against slavery wow and and then like that's how it started and now it's basically like soulless shit bags <laughs> you know wait that's you lobbied get... i thought you meant quake no no, <laughs> No, 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 no. Now yeah, yeah, lobbyists are like the, the concept of lobbying was like yeah. these beautiful Quakers trying to stop slavery. And in a gorgeous now, right side of history yeah, sort of way. And now it's everything else that Of it course, is. it's the yeah. worst thing now. Yeah, exactly. I because you're a religious studies uh, can we say expert? Expert. Sure. Expert, yeah, sure. Uh, I think you've earned that. Um, <laughs> the Sikhs, too, good group. Seems like a very socially minded, loving, open, like protective people. Yeah. When and, I hear a story about Quakers going after you know, slaves, admittedly probably not Quakers. That that's that there's something so gorgeous about that. And I've there heard really similar is. things about Sikhs. Sikhs are amazing people. Unfortunately they're in this position now where they keep getting mistaken for Muslims. Yeah. <laughs> which is Which is tricky when your religion requires you to carry a knife. I, right? I know it's true. A that's little true. a little knife it and that's is, not as it's not even a sharp knife. Like it could barely cut butter. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. But it looks so scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and they got the turban and, they, and well, yeah. They look like, like if you're playing Pictionary with your racist uncle and you said a Muslim, you would draw a Sikh. You would draw a Sikh. For exactly. sure. Exactly. You would draw a Sikh. A which is funny because like Muslims don't wear turbans. Turbans, and it's just this kind of weird, you know, unfortunate thing. It's yeah. like, I feel like I feel like as a Muslim, I should go around constantly apologizing to Sikhs. Yeah, like, dude, I'm so sorry. Uh. I'm, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. It's my fault. And you're so you're a Muslim now. 
I'm a Muslim now, right this yeah, moment. Yeah, I was just yeah. wondering, how are you today? Are you, are you in it? You're in it? Because you don't... Uh... Today, it's, uh, you know, off and on. <laughs> I dip in and out. Yeah, I, you know, I, well, I, I had a bacon burger a little while ago, but it's fine. Whatever. And you don't have a beard and you're a married man. I mean, isn't that a thing? Uh, it's like kind more, of cultural more of an Arab thing. Really. Is it really? It's, yeah, I keep a, fucking stepping. Yeah, in it. it's a. I mean, look, I'm it, looking for ways that you're kind of outside of the box. I guessed wrong, but you made a bacon burger joke, so it sounds like I'm curious. You, I haven't had a Muslim on the show in a, in a long time. How does it feel? It feels very. I'm very threatened. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very uncomfortable. You should. I know, uh, but if, for because I don't understand enough of your theology, so I, I'm yeah. afraid I'm going to look stupid. That's how I really am intimidated. No, I. I you know, I. Yes, I'm a Muslim. Yeah, I am. It's true. Uh, one one percent of the population of America is Muslim. So you know, like all that the the stress that you hear from the White House about the impending Muslim takeover of America. <laughs> I mean, like when we get to two percent, you're all screwed. Like at two percent, it's ours. But one percent, like you're fine. You're Do you fine. know the other percentage? What percentage is, let's say, Christian? Some type of Christian? Seventy-three percent. Wow, one versus seventy-three. Yeah, it's basically the Globetrotters versus like the Carpenters. Which, by the way, is what I love. What I love is like all like you hear all these Christians who are like, "We're under siege." Yeah. Like we are, our rights are being taken away from us. I mean, we only own both houses of Congress and the White House and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but yeah, otherwise, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. And what do you think it is? It's it's frightening for some reason. I mean, you do have a racial thing, yeah. so really just at a base kind of very ignorant level you go, "Oh, these people look this way." But uh, certainly Buddhists don't have like Asian mm-hmm. uh, Buddhists don't have that problem. Orthodox Jews, I thought it was interesting. Uh, I was watching Trump in a press conference the other day, and one of the reporters is an Orthodox Jew. Nobody has a problem with this guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but here, here, what's going on? Help, help us, help us, help you. <laughs> I think that what you are seeing right now is a massive crisis of identity in this country. Yeah. And I think that partly it has to do with the fact that there's a large swath of this country that feels as though they're – privileged position a position that they never had to do anything for yep is uh is being taken away from them yep that you know america doesn't look like it used to it uh i mean physically it just doesn't look that the same way yeah, the I mean, tasty the, is gone the tasty is gone it's an abercrombie and fitch <laughs> well there that is that is that's pretty white of... actually that's, that's like <laughs> it's a lateral white. Move. yeah that yeah. was lateral yeah. that was lateral and you can get burgers at some abercrombie's <laughs> <laughs> um but I do think that that for for a great many people, like they look around. I mean, there's a, the, a changing racial la- landscape, a changing religious landscape. They they feel as though, you know, it's this whole notion of like, oh, we're not even allowed to say Merry Christmas anymore. Right. And it's like you could say Merry Christmas if you want to. Right. But just understand. You that, can also pass you know, people and go, "Don't have an abortion." Like you can do <laughs> yeah, that if you want. You can do that. You can say whatever you want. you want. Exactly. But, but I, I, can I say something yeah. weird as a white person? I don't like when people say Merry Christmas to me. Here's why. It's something that you probably, unfortunately, well, it is what it is, have an experience, which is the subtle code thing. Oh, yeah. Where a white person will say to another white person, <laughs> this neighborhood has changed. That's one you'll get in the back of right. a cab. Right, or right, right, right. Merry Christmas. Val and I don't say Merry Christmas. We love Christmas. We're, we, we even are down with Christ in a lot of ways. Yeah. But it's not. we don't say it because it sounds like... Have a good white day, yeah. white guy. White, 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 white. Like yeah. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas has a whole another meaning. Uh, yeah, no, that was the original meaning. Actually, that was that was exactly <laughs> what Bing magical. Cosby meant. Actually, let's get you uh, a comedy. No, deal. but it, but in reality, though, that's that's I think what's happening. And so, 
you know, when you're in that kind of situation, you're susceptible to this message of, man, it used to be so great, didn't yeah, it? Yeah. Everything was so great in the good old days. And it's, it's just, like, what are you talking about? Like, right. what's this imaginary version of right. the good old days that you have? But Who it, is the, the person time traveling in that scenario? Is it a white male? Exactly. Right. That's what it is. Yeah. It's, a, it's a white male. It's a white male. Yeah. So, and, and we enjoy that. You were going to say. And things what? were great for that guy in the 1950s, sure. Right. It's just another version of saying this neighborhood has changed. And it that's is. the type of racism that I would see most often uh, growing up in Boston is casual remarks. You'd see a black kid crossing the street. You'd see an, uh, people in, in Boston, I'm sorry to say, I, I don't say this with any levity, really don't seem to like Indian people like the, because there's like a prosperity. They're taking a, mm-hmm. a lot of the businesses and mm-hmm. stuff. And that somehow justifies like a lot of offhanded comments, Indian person crossing the street, and you get something like, you never would have seen that when I was growing up here. And it's like, why are you happy about that? Well, just to be fair, people in Boston don't like people. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I don't know if you noticed that. It's just people. Can I tell you? Okay. Can I do one Boston joke? One Boston joke? Okay. So this this is my – so I grew up in California. You know, basically Northern California, mostly. Right. And uh, and you know, if you walk into a a, a Vons or a Ralphs in California, and you say uh, to an employee, "Excuse me, where is the milk? Uh, do you have milk? Yeah. What do they say? What do they? They say, "Well, let me drop whatever I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And physically take you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll hold you by the hand and take you to the. It's to a the little milk. cold in that area. Yeah. Here's a scarf. So uh, my first week in Boston, uh, I went into a grocery store and I went to an employee and I said, uh, "Excuse me, do you have any milk?" And she said, "I don't know. Why don't you look?" And that's I, was it. Like, that's... <laughs> I was like, "Oh, oh, I just... welcome to Boston." I'm not shocked yeah. at all. I, like, oh. I found it. See how you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's yeah. So funny. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, but you're right. There's something about the roads and the weather. You know, roads yeah. meant for horses yeah. and hills not meant for cars. Yeah. It's very dangerous and, and oppressed. It just pisses and, everybody off. You know, I'm, I'm a vegan and I, I was just in New York. And I was like, in New York, I, I just catch myself not being very vegan. Here's why. Because I'm suffering. Like, you're huddled. Mm-hmm. And it's windy and it's cold. And you get to the restaurant. And I didn't eat meat. But, like, I, I would bend the rules on cheese or something because I'd just be like, I made it. Yeah. I'm sorry this cow got uh, trapped and milked, but fuck them. Yeah. Because I took the J train here. You know what I mean? And I, think I deserve this. There's something going on in Boston, which it might be a displaced, just kind of angst. It can also be a nice place, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, I, more, it's I, more fun I to enjoyed tease my, it. I enjoyed my time there. Yeah. You not, were... not so much the people, but the, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we were talking about the changing racial landscape of America. And the coded ways that, yeah, yes, keep going. and so here's the thing. Here's, here's what's extraordinary. Is I like that, that you're hosting now because I, I just would have dropped the ball. You. I would have been How like, are so are you <laughs> sex a lot? Like some salacious thing. Keep going. Uh, I have three kids, so the answer is no. Um, <laughs> but you did. I, did, I used to. You have walking I, proof. At least twice I had sex. Yeah. And your um, sperm is so good at it's buy one, get just, one free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, my wife, big fan of yours. Mm. My wife, big fan of yours. Get out of town. Big fan. I'm very happy to hear um, that. Uh, I, I think you suck. But uh, <laughs> my, wife, my wife thinks you're amazing. Well, you see, I'm a comedian, so <laughs> yeah. both of those are compliments. Yeah. If you don't make the joke, that's the offensive <laughs> thing to the comedian. No, I think you're great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so demographers tell us that we are about a decade away from becoming the first country in the world to be majority minorities. Mm. And I think that while 
most of us hear something like that and we're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like pat ourselves in the back. Right. I think that there is a wide swath of this country that hears that and says, oh, shit. Did you say a white swath? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) they happen to be white, but they're also wide. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And they and that scares who did I hear? the crap out of them. I heard someone explain this. I wish I could uh, cite my source here, but they were trying to empathize. Difficult to empathize, and sometimes maybe it's not even your job to empathize. But to, in in that effort, they were like, "It's like white people have been waiting in line for this store, and they're not in the store; they're in the parking lot. That's how long the line is." And they're like, uh, "The store is selling the white promise, like whiteness." And you're like, oh, "As soon as I get in there," and the feeling is like they're they're not. That that was a lie to begin with. Mm-hmm. We're all just motherfucking people, and and I, I I don't know. What do you make of that? Is there a, a, a lie that they're are they feeling disappointed for any legitimate reason? I will say this: that we have the numbers. We have we we the 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 data speaks for itself. Mm. Trump's greatest support came from districts that were a furthest away from the Mexican border. B, least affected by immigration, and C, least affected by loss of jobs. This is a free, everyone a keeps free saying, podcast. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> you know, everyone kept amazing saying, what yeah, you just everyone's said. Everyone's like, oh, all these poor people voted for Trump. No, they didn't. The numbers prove it, that the mm. poorest in this country did not vote for Trump. They voted for Clinton. Mm. Um, those who were in communities affected by immigration voted for Clinton. Those in communities affected by the loss of these manufacturing jobs did not vote in large numbers for Trump. Mm. The people who voted for Trump were the people who felt as though their very dignity, their very sense of identity as a certain sort of class or race of person was being undermined by the the rapid changes taking place around them, that they were being left behind. Mm-hmm. And in, Trump, the parking, in the parking lot. In the parking lot. Yeah. And Trump was the one who just basically said, I know why you're stuck in the parking lot because all these brown people are in front of you. Yeah. So, what you can't see is they're cutting you yeah. in, in the front. So line. vote for me, and I'll just move them all out of the way, and you'll be able to you'll be able to cut in line. Right. Even as you say that, as something that's obviously impossible and not and oversimplified, I'm like, oh, if I was a guy in that line, I'd be like, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, well, who wouldn't? Right. You know, if someone's like, hey, every problem that you have now has a name. That's it's right. It's called Mexicans. That's right. You know, it's called Muslims. Right. Uh, and it's, it's the oldest trick in the book. It's the right? oldest trick in the book, and it's the reason why you can be conned mm. by this guy who is like this is, the least populous person on earth. Right? You know, making uh, this argument. It's, I know. It's extraordinary. I know. And the same is true with his this toothbrush is, budget is more than most people make in a year. <laughs> it's true. Gonna need a new toothbrush. <laughs> this one's wet. <laughs> like, and, and that's what Judd Judd is a big anti-Trump guy, obviously, and yeah. he's always like, I just don't understand why you would, you would trust a business person to to help you. A bad I, business person. A bad that's what, a bad yeah. business person at that. And it's not that everybody in business is crooked, but it's my in my understanding, mm-hmm. business is like, oh, we could sell fresh vegetables, or we could cover these not that fresh vegetables in a heavy sauce and make more money. Let's do that. It's that's not a hard choice. You, you talk about numbers. That's yeah. what you learn. Again, I didn't go to business school, but it's yeah. things like that that you're like. Well, I watch Shark Tank, that's and they're enough. like, "You, ah, yeah. you are a friendly friend." That's good enough. <laughs> but you know, when they start going like, "If you could move manufacturing to China, you could start selling your uh, God Bless America badges at right. Lamora," and it's just like, it's not even the ethics don't even enter no. into it. There's it's just no, about there is no worse 
experience to running government than business experience. <laughs> like that's and it's funny everyone's always like, what we need is like you know a CEO in chief. No, we don't. But you know what it is? It's easy to understand. See, here's why I'm helpful. You're a genius and I'm a knucklehead. <laughs> and I, I'm closer to the dummy in me that not to call everybody's dummy. I'm not trying to be uh, you know divisive here, but it's just like I can go, he runs businesses, he makes things gold. Yeah. Is there anything more basic than a bully? And somebody that's kind of right. like rich and fancy, and you're like, maybe I'll be rich and fancy, or you have like a you know a, a more political seeming person. Every debate I watched, I was like, he won. I, I didn't think you know what, me too, really. And, all, and I would watch it with my friends, and my friends were like high fiving every yeah. time Hillary made an intellectual you point, and, yeah. and I was like, uh, I was my I, I was covering my eyes, going, we are fucked. I, I would yeah. feel a cloud of depression for yeah. days, and I was surrounded by people that were – and I'm not trying to say I was smarter than them. I was like – he was uh, funny. He wasn't funny, no. but he was making jokes. He was, mm-hmm. he was getting these weird laughs, uh, being an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I was like – it's like a clean comedian going up and being like, have you pi- – Paella, uh, I'm trying to think of, paella, pa, what is paella? that? Paella? No, paella. Paella. <laughs> it's delicious. She, she's going up and going, paella, that, what, a weird, what a fun food, and it sounds like the word for beach <laughs> in Spanish. Okay, that's kind of like a weird intellectual joke. And then he goes like, you ever put your dick in some paella? <laughs> yeah. You ever get some spicy in the dick hole? And I'm like, dick hole wins every dick time. Dick hole wins every time. I came up in the comedy clubs. You can't follow... A female ejaculation bit with your amazing Q-tip routine. That's literally the best explanation for this last election. <laughs> Dickhole wins every time. Dickhole wins every time. Trump 2020. Yes. Uh, no, uh, that, I think that's a good point. What is mind-boggling to me, however, and what still, still doesn't make sense, so I think I feel like I may, I may have something for it, is – that 81% of white evangelicals voted for a man who stands for everything Jesus yelled about. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like right. whose very life Jesus, is like uh... a spit in Jesus's face. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like every breath that he takes is like he's punching Jesus yeah. in the face. He inhales fuck yeah. you, he exhales yeah. Jesus. They were literally like, "Hey, what's your what's your favorite book?" It's like, "Well, uh, the art of the deal, but the Bible's a close second. Oh, yeah. what's your favorite book in the Bible? Oh, I don't know. I like all of it." Like, name a verse, name anything, say a word that also appears in the Bible, okay? Trump, no! You know, well, like, he wrote his name in the front. I, it's, like, it's astonishing to me that, like, the, the grotesqueness yeah. of that. Yeah. And. Well, how, how, how hard we've lost the message, keep going. Well, I mean, and, and, you know, I kind of know what it is. Yeah. It's that. He came out and in a in a bald face way, in a way that even George W. Bush, Bush, who was a evangelical, right? And who Trump got more evangelical support than Reagan did, than George W. Bush did. Mm. George W. Bush, who basically was like, "Jesus is my co-pilot. Mm-hmm. Like I, Jesus will be my vice president." And Dick is, Cheney's like, "We'll yeah, see about yeah, that." Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> uh, and Trump, who can't. Literally name a, name, name a book in the Bible. Did that really happen? This is a true story. Yes. Just go uh, with Genesis, buddy. No, he couldn't. Finally, he was like, uh, 
two Corinthians? And people were like, you mean he second? He didn't say He literally was like two Corinthians. He's See, like, I'm two, not watching the news. It upsets me. Something but in two Corinthians, I think, two, maybe? He thinks it's the sequel. It's the sequel. Like the return of Xander Cage. <laughs> this time it's person. Um, yeah. We're back, Corinth. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, and, and it's because he just... In a way that even George W. Bush didn't. He just flat out was like, what do you evangelicals want? No more abortions? You got it. Yeah. And that was enough to get this well, the, unprecedented see, evangelical support, which I think it's just – it shows the the vacuousness of American spirituality right now. Mm, tell me more about that. What do you – go on. So Pew just released a poll that showed that 56 – so nearly 60 percent. So I think it's 58 percent. Nearly 60 percent – of uh, white evangelicals in this country think that you should you need to be a Christian to be an American that they mean the same 60%? thing. Sixty percent, sixty percent, six out of ten white evangelicals. I'm and by the way, when I say white evangelicals, I'm talking about approximately a hundred and thirty million people in America. So this is not a small. It's the largest. Uh, religious group in America is white evangelical, and sixty percent of them, S- nearly sixty percent of them, think that. Being Christian is key to being American. Here's the funny thing. Nearly 40% of just mainstream Christians, you know, not like evangelicals, like just kind of Protestants or Presbyterians or Episcopalians, Lutherans, people who like go to church every once in a while, you know, nearly 40% of them say you need to be Christian to be American. Are you shitting on my dick right now? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> Suddenly, something came up for a minute. Reza, that's not even something I've only said to you. For some reason, I say shit on my dick. I, it's just uh, shocking me. No, I'm not shitting on your dick. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that is not me shitting on your dick. Believe it or not. Uh, no, it's true. And I think I think this is the key to understanding this, right? And this is, you know, I've, I've been studying religion for like, you know, most of my adult life now, and I can basically give you this one thing to understand it in its full sense. Religion, and it doesn't matter what religion you're talking about, it doesn't matter where in the world you're talking about, religion is most often a matter of identity and not a matter of beliefs and practices. Well, there, there's the numbers that you have for right. that. So those, there's a lot of Second Corinthians in those a lot of, 130 million. Right. Right? Exactly. Two Corinthians, yeah. Two, I'm sorry. You can't two, even get it wrong. Uh, it's so in my yeah. brain. I even have a song there's to a remember the order. There's a lot of two Corinthians in that group. Yeah, there's a lot exactly. of two Corinthians. There's a lot of people in that group. I just told you that My nearly, father's a two Corinthians. Hey, by the way, my dad would never be in this group that would say you have to be Christian to be an American. But, he, but you know, he, he's he not exactly like probably knows some a, people who do. Yeah, <laughs> you know? probably. Maybe yeah. we sit next to a few. I mean, I think, I think if you remember that religion is first and foremost a matter of identity. That's brilliant. Right? Not a matter of beliefs and practices. Yep. When someone says, I'm Muslim, I'm Jewish, I'm Christian, what they mean is not – these are the things I believe. In fact, most of the time, they probably couldn't even tell you what those beliefs are necessarily. Right. And if you confronted them with those beliefs, they'd be like, well, not that one. Uh, not that one. Right. Um, you know – I mean, I just said a little while ago, more than about 72% of this country is Christian. Now, I want you to think about that. So seven out of 10 Americans, Hmm. seven out of 10 Americans call themselves Christian. Hmm. Really? Really? (laughs) 
Like, really? Like, seven out of ten Americans go to church uh, on e- Sundays? Easter and Christmas. Like, yeah, Easter and Christmas, yeah. If, seven uh, out of ten Americans could even tell you anything about Jesus except that he was born in a manger and died on a cross. Right. Seven out of ten Americans would be like, yeah, two Corinthians. That's uh, <laughs> the sequel. That's the sequel to one Corinthians, right? <laughs> no. The vast majority of that seven out of ten, when they say, I'm a Christian, they're making an identity statement. Right. One that, by the way, is, as I just said, clearly intersects with their national identity, with right. their racial identity. Well, wouldn't they, uh, somebody that says that, um, be like, probably think like, it probably means I like beer and, and barbecue. You know, it, it feels like an American yep. fantasy. It does. Whereas I would argue uh, thou shalt not kill could be extended to animals. <laughs> I know there's a lot of animal sacrifice in the Bible as well, but it's, it's just kind of like, we're, who gives a fuck? Get out, basically, you're saying, yeah. get out of my face. Yeah. Like, I, I'm a Christian. Okay, good. No, I mean, even... <laughs> and we can like, move on. That's what it is. That's basically I'm in the club. Is. Like, I am in the club. That's, we I made a for, club. For mostly what it And means. don't you want to be in the club? I was in the club. <laughs> you know, I came to this... I came to the United States in 1979. Oh, I didn't mean... I wasn't trying to get you in yeah. our club, by the way. <laughs> you came in 1979. I, I came in 1979 during the Iranian Revolution. Huge... This was like the hostage... Why do you look younger than I do? <laughs> this is the... Uh, I was negative five. Um... <laughs> This was like, you know, the height of the Iran hostage crisis, right? Um, it's something you don't remember. Iran. You weren't born yet. Iran. Yeah. Uh, you know, these, all these Americans were being held hostage in Iran. It was like a time of profound anti-Iranian, anti-Islamic sentiment in the United States. And here I am, like the seven-year-old kid, trying very hard to just kind of like fit in. Yeah. I mean, I've admitted on numerous occasions that I spent like a good part of the 1980s pretending to be Mexican. You know, like I would like walk around and be like, Orale! and people would be like, dude, you're clearly Mexican. Is that real? Totally true. Totally true. Verdad. Which, which, by the way, tells you how little I understood America because, like, it didn't help that much. Right. Like, turns out we also don't like Mexicans. You should have gone around going, I just got back from Cancun. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't Eddie Bauer the best? (laughs) I love John Tesh. (laughs) That's what you should have been doing. Yeah. And so most of my childhood was, like, trying to fit in. Mm. And then in high school, um, I realized, oh, it's actually really easy to fit in. Just love Jesus. And so I converted to Christianity. Buddy, in this high is school. me. Replace fit in with go to heaven. Yes. That's me. Yeah. I did think was enjoy. Yeah, that's a big deal. <laughs> but I just didn't understand. I was like, yeah. just t- invite Jesus into your heart and then let's go eat slushies. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand right. what the problem is. What's the- I really bought into the, the belonging yeah. and the clan. And and that feeling, and, and I'm sure you know things like this. During trauma, we really identify with our our clans and our religions and our sports teams and our country. We are tribal people. Way more. Yeah. I know. I, I've, I've said this before. When my my wife left me, it was ten years ago. I got very close to buying a Bruins hat. You know what I mean? I was just like, I'm from Boston. And she was from Maine. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. I wanted borders in my psyche. That's well. It, this perfectly segues to what we were saying before about this crisis of identity in America, right? Mm, mm-hmm. I mean, what's unusual about the American identity, and what's and it's something that I discovered, you know, in a very personal way as a kid, is that unlike in most other countries in the world, the way that you create a national identity is through some kind of homogeneity, right? Like we all look the same, we all worship the same God, we all mm-hmm. speak the same language, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we all are the same ethnicity. And so that's that homogeneity is what that just put a just put like draw some borders around us and we're a nation. Right. right? But America was never able to do that because we are 
you know, I mean, in the cliche sense, a nation of immigrants. Right. And so we've had to construct our national identity by relying on adherence to a set of values, right? Like there's, there's a set of the values American way. and ideas. Right. Yeah. And if you accept these ideas, if you accept these values, then you're one of us. Right. Doesn't matter if you just got here or whether you're like George fucking Washington. Like you're you're mm-hmm. one of us. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful, that's the miraculous, magic. yeah, it's when we say American exceptionalism, that's kind of what we're talking about. Right. Except that when we have times of societal stress, like today, <laughs> it becomes kind of hard to have any kind of consensus on what the meaning of those values are, right? And so during times like this, we revert exactly to what you were saying. The easiest way to identify yourself is in opposition to an other. Mm. It's it's not easy right. to say who you are. You can say it's who you so are. easy to say who you aren't. Right. And we in this country just recycle the who you aren't. Today it's Muslims, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it means to be Muslim, but it means being a Christian. That's what it really means, not right. being Muslim. Right. In the interwar period in the 20s and 30s, it was just Jews, right? I mean, you had people like Henry Ford, right? This icon of American ingenuity who was the most despicable piece of shit anti-Semite, <laughs> you know, who published the protocols of the elders of Zion in his newspapers. He owned eight different newspapers and published them in the front page of his newspapers as though it were news (laughs) and and forced his dealerships around the country to sell them. In every glove box. Charles Lindbergh, right? Charles Lindbergh, like the icon of like the, the, the quintessential American hero. This is a man who said that the Holocaust was a Jewish conspiracy Mm. in order to force us into, you know, a, a, a uh, European war. It, it was totally common back then to just simply say it, what it means to be American is to not be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Go to the 1890s. Back then it was Catholics, mm-hmm. right? It was Catholics. Like people would regularly say, you can't possibly be Catholic and American. How are you supposed to have adherence to mm. both the Pope and the president? Like, what if the Pope tells you? To, to do something that's against American law. Like you have to follow him. Mm. So you can't be Catholic and American. You can't have adherence, adherence to the, the Vatican and to the United States. We actually had a political party in the United States in the 1890s called the Know Nothings. That's what they called themselves. <laughs> who actually ran, I mean, enormously successful campaigns for Senate and uh, for Congress, who ran... Teddy Roosevelt for president of the United States and came very close and their entire goddamn platform was <laughs> let's get rid of the Catholics. That was their that was their platform. Oh you know what their God. motto was? What? America first. Shut the fuck up. No shit. <laughs> oh my God. And now you have Catholics like Paul Ryan, you know, these yeah. these like devout Catholic I love Jesus people who are like, you know what? Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have any refugees. Right. You know those starving orphans and and uh you know widows who are fleeing uh ethnic cleansing and genocide? Fuck them. Yeah. That's what Jesus would say. And it's like you know, that's that's I think the problem is that faith and religion mm. has become just a matter of identity. Mm. Right. It's not about what you actually believe. Mm-hmm. It's not about following the values and the principles of your faith. It's about who you are Just another and who you aren't. To comfort yourself. Yeah. Basically. We've, we've talked about that a lot on the show is that racism seems 
to be an anxiety reducer for people. Like people – I just watched The 13th like like yeah. everybody I know. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, look at how we can manufacture – this is why I think people enjoy no, – I'm, I'm not one of those. I, I like the stories, but I don't buy into them. The idea that there is this, like, shadow government that because mm-hmm. it feels like the doing of a shadow government – I don't think it, we need a shadow government to do this – to just keep changing the carrot on the stick. It's, a, it's the wrong right. comparison. But you know what I mean? It's like the villain keeps changing. Like you're saying Catholics and then, and then Jews and then, and then it's black people. And I, I just remember that cartoon that says, like – Around blacks never relax, like yeah. slogans yeah. to say they're gonna uh, they're gonna rape and attack, and, and the same things we're saying. Or yeah. Trump was saying about Mexicans. It's like, what the fuck are we doing? I'm curious if you see a. I, I like mysticism, and I like sort of Ram Dassy stuff. I don't yeah. know if you're aware of that. And his big thing is trying to get people to wake up to the the unity of the universe, mm-hmm. that we're all stuck in one kind of solid thing. And like Jesus said, when you feed the the least of these, you're feeding, feeding me. me yeah. But it, I, I used to read that as like, oh, that means we're feeding Jesus. It means you're feeding yourself. He's right. trying to say like, stop thinking of yourself as separate. We're, we're all in this together. Yeah. And, uh, and do you see potential in some sort of – well? So I, I'm an ideology a, changing yeah. this. Um, I'm a Sufi. I'm a Sufi Muslim, which is it, big it Dane is, Cook fan. Yeah, it is. <laughs> have you heard that? He calls no. it the super finger. It's the Sufi. No, that's it's funny. It's very though. weird. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's it's the mystical branch of Islam. And yeah, Rumi is. A yeah, Sufi. Sufi is. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and Sufis, what they believe is that religion is important for children. Mm. And they mean spiritual children. They don't mean actual children. First half of life stuff. Yeah. What they say is, look, the do's and the don'ts, the the stories, the myths, those things are important because they instill certain values in you. They sneak them in. They sneak them in. In the they, tail. The way, the way that Sufis say is that they provide a signpost to God. Finger pointing to the moon. Finger pointing to the moon. That's what religion right. is. What – Sufis are interested in is not the signpost, but God. Yep. And so what they'll say is that in order to actually experience what religion is supposed to be about, you need to break through. I really want to feel you. <laughs> I really want to see you. That's George Harrison. Was, he was definitely he, singing he about was God. Definitely singing about God. The chorus yeah. was Hare Krishna. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And and I think that 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 but all, it is that sort of romantic yeah. thing. You want to merge with God. You want, you want to be to in the same room. Exactly. Uh-huh. All religions have what's called the exoteric and the esoteric aspect of it. All religions have this. The problem. Please explain is, that. I, I don't. So so religions have an exoteric, which is the external aspect of them: the temple, the scripture, the do's, the don'ts, the myths, and the metaphors. Yep. But every religion in the world has an esoteric aspect of it too, which is the underlying meaning behind it. Yeah. The the, um, the, the juice, the the kingdom of heaven, the garden of Allah, that sort of place. Every religion has some sort of. When I was a kid, I just thought it meant heaven. But we're really talking about a space where you're there. And what's even remarkable is that when you study these religions, what you very quickly realize is that the esoteric level is identical in all of them. Preach. Uh, The Buddha once said that if you want to strike water, you don't dig six one-foot wells. You dig one six-foot well. Mm. And what he meant was, look, pick a religion. It's it's important. Like pick a well, yeah. okay? If you want water, 
pick a well. Mm. But understand that the water that you're drawing is the water that everybody is drawing. That's right. That it's the same exact water. You're getting lost in in adoring your well when it's we're, we're really all after the water. That is the problem of religion. Is mm. that I define religion as a system of symbols and metaphors that provides a language to a community of faith that allows them to communicate to themselves and to each other the mysterious right. expression of faith, you know, right. that, that, that thing, that idea of transcendence. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, if you're talking about transcendence, if you're talking about God, you're talking about something that is so utterly beyond the human experience. Like, how do you even talk about it? You well, can't. Terrence McKenna, he goes, there is a part of our experience that is beyond language. It's just so damn hard to talk about. It's so damn hard to talk about. Right. So you need to talk about it. And, and then how you else, need... How else are you going to talk about it except through metaphors? That's right. It's like... This. That's right. It's like that. Right. The problem is that but the it, vast majority yeah. of religious people confuse the metaphor for the thing itself. Right. And so what they end up You're worshiping, worshiping the well. They're worshiping the well. Not the water. Not the water. Perfectly said. Fucking yeah. A. Free podcast. This is a free show. <laughs> I think that's so exciting. I, I mean, Richard Rohr. Do you, do you know Richard Rohr at all? He's, a little bit, yeah. In, he, yeah. So he's a Franciscan friar. He's a Catholic. I think they should get out of this country. But he said, <laughs> he said, to, how can they be? How can they be loyal? They can't. <laughs> what if the Pope tells them to do something? Can't trust them. It's just as good of an argument against them as anybody. As anybody else. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. You know, it's funny. Forget what Richard Rohr said. The only language we have to speak of God is metaphor. I just mm-hmm. love people that are steeped in liturgy, that are in the exoteric that are in the temples, that are doing the rituals, but then they're also trying to like, there's almost like a second conversion, wouldn't you agree? You're kind of indoctrinated, you inherit a faith, and then you go in the building. But then there's this, there are these outliers, Rob Bell, who, who mm-hmm. says hello, I was on the yeah. phone with him just before I came. There's like these second conversions that happen in the church, or, or the temple, mm-hmm. or the synagogue, or whatever it is. You're there, and then you hear about St. John of the Cross. You hear about Sufi mystics. You read Rumi, and you're like, oh, fuck. That's way better. It's way better. <laughs> yeah. But I come from a group and, and an experience where religion is thrown away, babies and bathwater and mm-hmm, all, mm-hmm. because we do see it justifying the murder of homosexuals in certain mm-hmm, parts of the country. We, mm-hmm. do, we do see it breaking up, all so- doing all sorts of fucked up shit. Yeah. And then... Something that breaks my heart is it, it feels so good to sneak in and find the Rumi or find the mystic that goes, it was never about the well, guys. We're right. losing it. We're right. losing it. And that fills a part of me that felt very good to fill back up. Yeah. It's not about salvation. It's not about heaven or hell or, or being safe or in the club. It's about going, there's juice and there's truth and there's epiphany and there's rapture and there's ambrosia. There's these mm-hmm. feelings of ecstasy mm-hmm. and, and oneness where – Jokes, uh, conversations about abortion or, or murder or, inca- or incarceration happen from a different level. You know, you ever yeah. talk to somebody where they're like, "These are all fine questions, but they're the wrong questions because they're soaking in the water." Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense, and, but, I, and I think that's that's essentially been kind of the the focus of my entire career. I mean, has been to to not just teach people about religions. But to teach people what religion is, mm, <laughs> right? Mm. And that if you understand it as a form of identity, if you understand it as just a language of symbols, then I think it allows you to break through 
um, you know, the meaning of it and to, and to draw precisely those kinds of connections. Mm. Uh, hence my new CNN no, series. No, please plug it because uh, I'm going to be, wa- um, be watching it. So yeah, please You're going to love this show. It's like it's meant for you. It's this? It's meant for you, yeah. Can you get me an advanced it's like, copy? It's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, you know, think Bourdain but faith instead of food. Oh, fuck so, you for getting to that before me. I, <laughs> <laughs> Except if it was me, I'd just be like the wrong guy. I'm so glad you're doing <laughs> yeah. it. You'd be like, uh, what would you say? Like, <laughs> think uh, Joe Rogan, <laughs> but uh, you eat God instead of shit. Yeah. Uh, and then alpha brain. Yeah. <laughs> and then a lot of alpha brain jobs <laughs> yeah. and things that we have. Uh, no, I mean, I look, uh, yeah, it, this, is, this is a show. You're trying to rescue people this from... This is a show, right, that allows me to go around the world and to fully immerse myself in these other religious traditions, particularly traditions that are somewhat on the fringe or Mm -hmm. on the margins, to Mm -hmm. kind of be them, to be one of them, to do what they do, to experience what they experience. And the the purpose of it is precisely to – to kind of take the viewer on this journey. You know, the viewer is going to like watch an episode and they're going to like watch the first five minutes and be like, what the, what am, Mm. these people are nuts. Mm. Like this is about as far from what I believe as it gets. I mean, this is the craziest, most foreign, most, you know, frightening thing that I've ever seen. And then after an hour of watching me live amongst these people and be them, you're probably going to be like, well, uh, that's not that weird, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I kind of believe something well, like that. You know, it's funny. Almost every comedian – not every comedian. It's a very common c- comedic thought for us to go, oh, the, the Mormons are so weird or whatever or the Scientologists are so weird. Mm-hmm. And then it's like our faith is weird. <laughs> I eat the body of Christ. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and if you are Catholic and believe in sub- transubstantiation yeah. – you are. You are eating. It is the low body carb. You're eating flesh. Yeah. And it transforms if you believe. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we have a pretty wonky, or, or, or not wonky, weird. Everybody f- thinks everybody else's religion is weird. There's a reason why it's like scholars, our food. Yeah. That's why it's a, it's a good pitch. It's a very good you're pitch. You're going to go yeah. eat snout. That's what Bourdain does. And you're going to go believe in the god snout. I will say that the one big difference between me and Bourdain is that he's going to eat that snout and be like, this is, it tastes like chicken. And how the hell do we know that? Right. Like, right. It, it could, <laughs> what do we know? Whereas you can you're going to watch me, yeah, yeah, you're going to yeah. watch me feel it. Did you prostrate yourself in India and move a rock very, very slowly? Uh, no, but I did some pretty. Tell me something weird you did. I ate a guy's brain. You ate a man's brain. A dead man's brain. A human man's brain. Uh, it was a human. Yeah. You went Indiana Jones and said, "So in so fucking it, pussies." So oh, <laughs> I should. This say, is a great. Pussy example. derives from the word coward. It's not yeah. <laughs> anti-feminist. Okay, this is actually a a perfect uh, example of this, and in fact, it's the premiere episode, uh, Sunday, March fifth, ten p.m. CNN. Yes. Uh, so I go to India and I immerse myself in this sect of Buddhism. It's like a 500-year-old sect of Buddhism called the Agore. And you have to understand that Buddhism – I'm sorry. Did I say Buddhism? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with me? Hinduism. Okay. Hinduism. Hinduism. Well, Buddhism is uh, Hinduism shipped for export. Have you ever heard that? Uh, no, but uh, the Buddha was a Hindu. He was never a Buddhist. How could he be? Yeah, exactly. I'm a meist. I'm a meist. <laughs> um, but Jesus wasn't a Jew. Jesus was born a Christian. Everybody knows that. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I go and, jo- and join this Hindu sect called the Agore. 
And you have to understand that Hinduism is is predicated on this notion of purity and pollution, right? That's that's the core of it. That's what the whole caste system is all about, right? The higher you are on the caste system, the purer you are. The mm. lower you are on the caste system, the more polluted you are. Which is why, like, sounds like Scientology, actually. This sort of Scientology is it's like more going like, clear. There's like a bridge. There's a thing. Uh, it's totally different. different. It's totally different. But I'm sure I that's a whole talk, other conversation. We I do an episode on Scientology. <laughs> I can't wait. We can, we can, I can no talk way. all day about Scientology. No I love Scientology. I can talk all day about it. I wish. Okay. You only have half an hour. I got to pick and choose. Okay. So this group, this group essentially says uh, there is no such thing as purity and pollution. It doesn't exist. It's a figment of your imagination. Of course it is. Of course it is. You and I, I I agree with that. I'm not Hindu and I agree with that. You're not Hindu. You agree with that. Most people would say that. Nothing you consume, nothing you touch can make you impure, can separate you from, from God. From God. And for them, it's Lord Shiva. That's like, a big thing for me. It's, it's just yeah. your awareness or your feeling of connection can go up and down. But that, of course, violates core tenets of Hinduism, which is why, like, mm. Brahmins won't, you know, touch shit, whereas, like, an untouchable has to be the person who comes in and, like, you know, clog- unclogs the toilet or mm. whatever. So the Agors have this belief, right? But their whole point is they need to prove that belief. Hmm. So they take part in these ostentatious displays of self-pollution in public in order to shock the system, in order to shock people. So like if you're a Hindu walking along, right? I mean eating any kind of meat in Hinduism is is a polluting thing. And you see this Hindu guy standing on the corner chomping on a human guy's arm. You're like, what? And – He's doing it on purpose. He's trying to shock your system right. to say it doesn't matter. Wouldn't you say that Trung, Trung, Trungpa Rinpoche, I used to think in his smoking and drinking, was saying, come get me now. It's fuck, exactly. your, fuck your face. It's actually a common right? mystical experience. But yeah, it's, Sufism, you know what it sounds like to me? Sounds like water to me. Sounds like it really does. Yeah. It, because it's esoteric and it's weird and it, it challenges – it challenges your brain's desire to go pure, impure, and God says, hey, third thing, fuck your face. <laughs> yeah. I honestly think that's – I don't want to say that I'm – That's in uh, 2 Corinthians. Uh, I'm not trying to be – or trying to say that I'm anywhere near these great teachers with these brilliant thinkings, but that's why I like doing tours with Rob where I'm swearing and talking yeah. about my dick and all this stuff yeah. because there's this third thing happening Rob never condones – he laughs and stuff, but he never says like, I don't, I don't support this guy. Yeah. And I never go when he's talking about Christ. I don't go like, I support this guy. It's assumed that we love each other right. and we're doing this very salty sweet thing. And it, it reminds me – this is just a very brilliant uh, idea for I'm going to eat an arm. I'm going to eat exactly. some brain. I'm going to – yeah. Watch what me. now? Yeah. Because they- you think a God defined as a God – a, a god defined is a god confined. Have you heard that one? Yes, precisely. And this, you're saying you have God in that box, motherfucker. Lift up the box. Lift up the box. There's nothing in there. That's the whole. He's over here, and point. we're having brain. <laughs> we're having brain. Come and join <laughs> us. It's great. I completely get it. Yeah, you and know, you ate a, it. I I did a lot of things in that episode. Ah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it was tough. It was really really tough, but. It, it's it, you. You did it perfectly. Like as soon as I said, you know, purity pollution. It's an illusion. It doesn't mean anything. You said I believe that. Well, the agor say you do. Prove it. Mm. That's uh, what they do. Yeah. Is it you? Oh, you believe it? Prove it. But that's. I've said this before too. But it's like I've had wonderful, transcendent meditation sessions, or what you call prayer, whatever it is, mantras, contemplation. 
minutes after watching pornography or, or <laughs> masturbating, you know? And that is the farthest thing from the Christianity I was raised in. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be dwelling and, and, and feeling bad. And if you're praying, you're just asking for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I do it. I'm a fucking grown man. As Bill Burr says, it's my dick. And then I close <laughs> yeah. the laptop and then I'm there. And I told Rob that and he was like, you were relaxed. <laughs> you were relaxed. I don't think pornography is like fantastic because it's human beings involved. Yeah. And I, I'm not like the practice of it isn't my favorite Sometimes. thing. <laughs> yeah, well, Judd Apatow is a great bit. He's like, I love watching lesbian porn because there's a chance they're enjoying it. <laughs> um, but there's some. So I'm not crazy. I see. I'm not crazy about it. But I don't think God shoes so easily. It's not a deer in the woods that if you lock eye contact, it runs away. I kind of. I, I'm more of the thinking that we're soaking in it, and it's we can clean our antennas a little bit and and tune into it a little better. But I think eating brains is a wonderful, especially in that system. Yeah, and by the way. There is a a consequence to that belief, which is that it's not just about what do you do to pollute yourself on purpose. It's rejecting the entire caste system. And so they don't just do these things. They, for instance, open up orphanages for undercaste children who've been thrown away. They – they have the largest leper colonies, uh, leper hospitals across India. And leprosy, you know, it's a bad thing everywhere. But if you're in a religious system in which touching a leper could affect your next birth, you know, mm-hmm. your, the, your next life, uh, these people are just cast off to die. Mm-hmm. And the Agor say, nothing can pollute me. And come on. And they, they hug them. They love them. They care for them. So – Again, like in every one of these episodes, you start out watching a guy covered in, you know, corpse uh, uh, fluids mm. and, you know, and eating a brain and like drinking from a human skull. And you're like, that's crazy. And at the end of it, you're like, yeah, OK. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I get it. And that's the point of the show. It's the point of my career. It's it's what it's what I have been preaching for 20 years. Right. Learn the language. Understand the metaphor, and then once you learn that, then you'll recognize the water's the same. That's the right. sentiment's the same. And I don't think there's a more exciting revelation. No. And the fun thing about it's this earth shattering. This game that we're in is I keep forgetting and then remembering and forgetting and then remembering. Yeah. And you get into a space where you can hear the song. And then Ramdas says it's not a flaw in the system, you get kicked out of the room. It's it's like Christ saying you're wearing the wrong garments and and you're asked <laughs> to leave the party. Yeah. Uh, which actually brings me to my next question. Have you done psychedelics? Oh, yes. yes <laughs> I'm like, oh, no, I hope I didn't ask you a question that you can't answer. Well, look, I'm going to answer, I'm gonna answer it in, in my sort of, you know, the boring scholarly way. That's okay. Um, you know, we have ample archaeological material evidence for ancient forms of religiosity. We can take it back with absolute confidence to about 100, 160,000 years. We can take it back with pretty good confidence to about 400,000 years. I would go one step further and I would say that there is some material evidence that ex- that shows religious um, rituals even 500,000 years ago. Oh my God. Here's the cool part. Almost all of it, <laughs> almost all of it is predicated on, on um, uh, altered states. Hmm. 
right? So like the the original form of religiosity, of but but of course, is predicated on like, altered states. Of course, yeah, right, yeah. Whether that was so expand on that. Is it fasting? Or are we trying uh, to? No, it's it's hallucinogens. It's, it's eating it's shit. The, yeah, it's the <laughs> it's the purposeful. Yeah, yeah. The purposeful ingesting. Purposeful ingesting. Yeah. Of hallucinogens by uh, certain select individuals yeah. in a community. It's yeah. not for everyone. It's the shamans. It's yeah. the, it's the leaders. Uh, it's those guys. In order to to bring back messages from the, the other ancestors. Realm. Yeah. I, and if you have, I've taken uh, mushrooms and been like, oh, this is what they mean by the ancestors. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah, like, right. there they are. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Terrence McKenna, again, second time he's come up, had, uh, I don't think it was his theory, but he shared a theory where he was like, Christ was a mushroom. Mm. He's like, the story is a, is a metaphor for a mushroom. That's, that's his thing. Your thing, uh, well, let's stay on psychedelics for a second. You, you felt that feeling of the, of the water where you're there and you're like, Oh, we've just got the game wrong. We're going around passing out pieces of money that yeah. represent precious metals that are somewhere, somewhere else. And I think I'm a man and you think you're a woman and you're from Iran and I'm from Boston and all this shit. And then you take these substances yeah. and you go, oh, God, we've been humming the wrong tune. Yep. And it's all like the shit that I say on this podcast makes perfect sense when you're on mushrooms. <laughs> I hope people are on mushrooms uh, listening. It makes it so much better. People have told me that they've yeah. done that. I, I don't recommend it. I have a very jarring yeah. laugh. The foundation of religious thinking, regardless of what religion you are, regardless of you know whether you're just spiritual and not religious. So let me rephrase that. The foundation of spiritual thinking is the belief that there is something beyond the material realm, mm. that it's not just this, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's the foundation of all spiritual There's a pulse thinking. behind it. There's, There's something, a pulse behind it. Something unknown is doing something we know there not There is a transcendent, whatever that is. Right. There is something beyond. What? Whatever. It's just there's something beyond. We're dogs trying to understand the internet. We're dogs trying <laughs> Yes. And <laughs> what altered states of mind, whether it's through hallucinogens or whether through meditation or whether through like purposeful training of the brain. I mean there are individuals who can just simply switch on right. another form, another version of their, of their brain, another right. way of perception. Right. What that does is – at least it did for me and I think it does for most people – is that it momentarily allows you to tap in to that thing that is beyond where you realize, oh, it's not just me and this body and this table and this mic and this – there's right. something there's something beyond this. Right. And I can just kind of sense it. Right. That's a religious experience. That's right. That's what a religious I experience is. I can't explain is. it but I can have it pass through me. Right. 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 And then the question is, is, how do you come back and tell people about it? Exactly. I mean, it's it's very, it's really, you know, it's it's impossible. I think a lot of people would say, oh, well, that doesn't count because you altered the chemicals of your brain. Right. Or the other side of it is you'll get the kind of sort of zealot, you know, atheist version. You plug your brain? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, no, I'm talking about like the – I'm not talking about like atheists. I'm talking about like the crazy atheists, mm-hmm. you know? Not uh, her like, atheists. Yeah, like like the, the Richard Dawkins kind of – You know, hardcore, like, you know, religious people right. should be rounded up. Like militants. Yeah. Um, what's, amazing about, what's amazing about their argument is that they're always kind of saying like – spiritual experience is not a real experience because we know that it's just a result of chemical reactions in your brain. And so therefore, because we can map it, it's not a real thing. And I'm like, oh, congratulations, genius. Every experience is a result of chemical reactions in the brain. I was just going to say. So what – that doesn't mean anything. It's working on the fundamental assumption that this reality is real 
and these signals are being interpreted correctly. Right. So, <laughs> so what? Like, we also actually know the chemical reactions that, rec- that result in love. Does that mean love is bullshit? Right. Does that mean that, like, right. it's not a real thing, that the person that you love is just an illusion? Right. I mean, okay, if you believe that, that's fine. You know, you're just that kind of person. Right. But I think to simply dismiss spiritual experiences by saying, oh, it's just in your brain. Yeah. So are you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you right know? now you're – So is this conversation. That's right. We are a phenomenon in your consciousness yes. right now. The people listening, When I leave this, this, this studio, you cease to exist. That's right. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's being able to trip out on like the, ba- the building blocks of, of reality I think right. is really interesting. But it is an interesting consideration that there are these places – when I think of Christ, the reason I say I'm, I'm down with Christ is I'm down with a I'm guy with that tuned into that oneness, that sort of the, – the Christ was born when the Big Bang happened. Here it is. Right. That's what we call that. It's the beginning of awareness and he was tuned into that. But then we can also eat these things and take these chemicals and get a taste of it. It is an interesting puzzle that we've been handed. One guy was in it, and we can visit him. We can visit it. And then we get kicked out. Again, Ram does. We're wearing the wrong clothes, so we don't get to stay. But We can stay. It just takes a lifetime Uh, of focus that most of us don't have. Right. Most of us, all we have is the shortcut. But that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It's, red, it's better to visit it yeah. than to never, never know it. Right. That's what uh, Ram Dass's guru said. It was like, this will put you in the room with Christ. And it's good for beginners. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, as somebody who lost my faith and then took mushrooms, I was like, oh, fuck. Right? I was just yeah. like, oh, shh. I thought it was – I don't I know what it. I thought it would I be. I just got it. Like yeah. you just saw a little bit of what people are trying to talk about. Yeah. Let's talk about Scientology. <laughs> You talk about Scientology. I love Scientology. I, I tell me why you love Scientology. Get into that. Well, first of all, I just don't think it's that weird. Yeah. I think here's the thing: is that if you're if you are knowledgeable of the religions of the world, and someone explains Scientology to you, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's that's not that. Bizarre. Even though I was wrong with the comparison to Hinduism, I was like, at least it kind of it's reminded re- me. The, so it, weirdly, if I were to compare Scientology to any religion. I would say it's Buddhism hmm. more than Hinduism. So No God, no deity? There is no deity in Scientology, believe it or not. Right. Um, now, there are certain levels of Scientology that you can achieve eventually uh, through a lifetime of study that will then uh, allow you to recognize the internalness of the deity. I you see. are the deity. The, but that's what Sufism says. Awareness is the yeah, deity. That's what – I mean it's not that weird. Right. Um, and I think people people rightly criticize the church for its abuses and for you know all the awful things that it But well, what about done. cleaning a floor with a toothbrush? There's a part of me – you talk about a guy eating an arm – and that's harder to justify than a guy <laughs> cleaning a floor with a toothbrush. But I go, there is this long-standing tradition in religion and mysticism that goes suffering is what gets you there. Yeah. And then I look at people lifting heavy weights and then I look at people imposing suffering on, on themselves and others to maybe get to a spiritual I mean, place. look, you can criticize Scientology for its abuses. Yeah. You can criticize it for its corruption, but you can't delegitimize it as a religion because of that. I mean, if if 
like the key to being a religion was not abusing your you know congregation. We wouldn't there'd, have there'd any be no religion. There would like, be no religion. There's no such thing as. And religion. I know we're supposed to throw you know? the Catholics under the bus, but the truth is, is every religion has its scandals. Look. Scientology has done some horrible things. Right. Have they raped tens of thousands of boys? Yeah. No. I wonder if so, the, in, the, in the opening, know, actually, in the opening meetings, <laughs> you know? it, it reminds me of the Ray Romano bit about Olestra, that fat-free oil. <laughs> and he was like, and it says, may call anal leakage. Yes. And he goes, that's the one. That's the one label. That, that <laughs> even the uh, cigarette companies are like, at least we're not bad. <laughs> at least we're not bad. So these guys are yeah. going, we're not, we didn't rape. But uh, fundamentally, so what Scientology believes, isn't that weird? Scientology believes that we are eternal souls trapped in a series of bodies after bodies after bodies. Reincarnation? After bodies. Yeah, absolutely believes mm-hmm. in reincarnation. Uh, that not just in this life, not just in this world, but in previous worlds, in previous dimensions. Which just sounds kind of like the science part. I mean, yeah. you can talk to quantum theorists. I, I refer to it as technological Buddhism. That's what it is. It's like It's like, you know, science Buddhism is the way it is. Now, those, what, they, what Scientology also believes is that those, those souls, they call them thetans, mm-hmm. those souls in each life pick up these traumas. In every single life and carry those traumas with them into each new life. So you're walking around your day and you're reacting in ways that you have no control over. You know, you're like you get angry for no reason or or what have you. And you don't really know why. Well, the reason why is because in your soul you have all these traumas, maybe from your life, but maybe from some, some previous life, maybe yeah. like from 500 previous Which sounds lives. like a little bit like Hinduism. Right. Right. So Scientology says there's a way to get rid of those traumas and it's through auditing, right? The, the, you hold on the to those cans thing, yeah. and yeah. And you, you locate each one of those traumas and then you slowly get rid of those traumas. And when you get rid of all the traumas from your current life – and all of your past lives, you are finally clear. But that's the beginning of Scientology. That's that's step one. That's book one. That's book one. That's Dianetics. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of people think like, oh, well, once you're clear, that's it. Now you're like God. No, that's just the start, man. Right. And then now you are an operating Thetan. So now you are a person fully in control of your reactions, right? You're no longer being controlled by the world around you. You're in control of the that world. That sounds tricky because that's very easy to test. Right? I mean, you throw a hot air balloon with hot sauce at Tom Cruise. I mean, you might, you might respond. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Don't, I mean, do, don't do that. I love Tom the, Cruise. The point, the, point, the point of this being is that that's not that weird. Yeah, that, I know? hear that. That's not that weird. Which I mean, that is refreshing. I, I, or let me put it this way. Is it any weirder than right. other? Maybe it's weird. Right. But is it weirder than another religion? Everyone's right. always like, oh, yeah, but, but then there's the whole Xenu thing. Like, what about Xenu? Like, the whole spaceship and all this stuff. And, and I'm the, like, uh, volcanoes. Yeah, and the volcanoes. The and I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty weird. Is it weirder than God took some dirt and blew in it and, yeah. made a, and made a guy and then took that guy's rib and made a girl and then the two of them created every human being on earth? Is it weirder than that? Yeah. Your point – because it, it sounds a little <laughs> bit like we're trying to convert people to Scientology. Your point though And is, by the way, Pete, uh, <laughs> they, you, you want to make it in this business? <laughs> You're saying – 
pick your well. Certainly, there. I, I watched Le- well. Leah Remney's thing, and she's like, "Fuck that well." Sure. That's completely legitimate. Totally legitimate. I was actually going to ask: Do you think losing your faith is? I, I, I'm, I'm. It's a leading question. Forgive it. I think losing your faith is is an interesting opportunity to really figure out what's going on because when you're really just stuck in the one that you were handed. It, it, Joseph Campbell says, study other religions that you weren't raised with because then you have the opportunity to to really get the message because you're not mm-hmm. burdened with literalism. You're not mm-hmm. burdened with – you can just go like, oh, there's a guy named Buddha. Who cares? And it kind of gives you a freedom to play with it yeah. in the way that you have to play with it to kind of get to the to the water level. Do you speak any other languages? A little Spanish. OK. So when you say something in Spanish, does your brain – Change? I mean, are you thinking <laughs> different things? Like if you say, you know, uh, uh, put the cucumber in the bathroom in English yeah. and then say, ponga la pepina in el, in el baño. I can't believe Did something Spanish different trip. happen? Yeah. <laughs> did something ha- different happen in your brain? No. You just use different words to say the exact same thing. Yeah. And when you're fluent in more than one language, you sort of recognize like, oh, words are just vehicles for meaning. Jesus, when man, you're, you're fluent in different religions, it. it's the same thing. You're killing it. When you're fluent in different religions, you can't help There's... but realize, oh, I get it. These are just different words for the same meaning. Yeah. I get it now. Right. But we get into trouble. We're making the same point again because honestly, I can't get enough of making this <laughs> point. It sounds like you're the same way. What's the Spanish for cucumber? Papina? Papina. Yeah, I think so. Is that just right? Papina? Papina, man. For some reason, that's just stuck in my head. No, I know. But we're defending our, our wells instead of realizing we're all in this together. We're all which, in it together. Which is brilliant. I'd love to ask people what, what you think happens when you die. What do you think, Reza? Um, my spirituality is tinged with science because I don't think you should ignore you know things like facts. Yeah. Um, uh. I think God is would like facts. Um and so what science has taught me is that everything that exists today has always existed, that there is no such thing as a thing that stops existing. Yeah. That's just a scientific fact. Well, it also matches my spirituality. Recycling. Be- because I believe – yeah, because I believe that you know, we, are, we are part of creation. I'm, I'm a pantheist, right? I believe that – if there is a thing called God, that that God is indivisible, is pure unity. But if that's true, then that means that there can't be any separation between creator and creation. Where could I go? So creation is the creator. Hmm. That means me and you and this mic and this table and this water, that all of us together equal what God is. Hmm. And so I don't know if my consciousness you know, works itself together again. I don't yeah. know if that's what happens. Right. I don't know if I am I am the person that I am today, but I know that everything that I am, including my physical body, exists forever. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting. <laughs> you said uh, pantheism, which made me think of Alan Watts, who mm-hmm. I love very de- dearly. I love him. I think he's amazing. He has a, He loves quoting this one verse in the Old Testament where he's like, I, the Lord, your God, I wish I could do his voice. Uh, it's something like I bring the light and I bring, bring the darkness. I bring yeah. the darkness. I bring yeah. destruction. The and, whale and the woe. Yeah. 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 The good and the evil. It's That's all me, I, yo. It's that, all me. Because what else could it be? And it's an interesting idea that yeah. this thing is grinding on itself and some cells of its body 
are not healthy, aren't doing mm-hmm. good things, are doing de- very bad things that we are against. But it's it's all. How could it be over here and not over here? It's an, well. What do you do with suffering? Is I guess what I'm saying. I know it's a big question, but is that it's, all, it's that, all in the game? It's all in the game, and I think that you know we have a tendency to want to um, create a supernatural excuse for human evil mm-hmm. um, because it's a way of 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 ridding ourselves of that responsibility. Right, it's the old "the devil made me do it" yeah. notion. Right, mm-hmm. um, we don't want that responsibility for God. We want God to be all good, and so we create, you know, these we don't want other to figures. Yeah. We don't want our God eating yeah. the brains. Right, uh, we don't want, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So we just we just create these uh, receptacles, you know, for the remainder of mm. you know of what's left when the good when you the can good feel is gone. the headache coming in. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think Buddha's smiling because he's not asking these questions. You know what I'm yes. saying? He's not like, why suffering? His answer, none of your business. Life is suffering. <laughs> yeah, and, and life is yeah, suffering. Life is but a, yeah. th- there's no need for the why. We're in this. Yeah. Let's, let's reduce suffering. And when we die, who knows? And that's it. It's, it's human response. It's, suffering is a result of human actions. And the alleviation of suffering is the result of human responsibilities. Mm. And I think when we supernaturalize those things, it's just a way for us to not have to deal with it. That's right. Like, oh, so such evil in the world. Yeah, by humans, mm-hmm. caused by humans. What, what so do something be? about it. Yeah, what else could it be? <laughs> yeah. Well, when you talk about God being in me, and that's when I go back to that Christ thing saying you're feeding me. Mm-hmm. I think he's, it's an easier way. You love me, feed my sheep. Uh, that's a way of loving me because that is me and mm-hmm. that's you. And if we really could wrap our brains around that, you're, you're going to be loving some refugees and you're going to be healing uh, some sick people and you're going to be giving and, and helping and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's heavy stuff. Amen, man. It's brilliant. I can't believe this. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> and then we just do the most dogmatic, <laughs> closed. Dude, I, I'm so happy that we did this. We're going to get you out in time because I know you have a t- – people that were wondering when I said we only have 30 minutes uh, and we usually just talk forever – it's because you very graciously came here and you only had 90 minutes, and I'm thrilled. I appreciate it. I, I really couldn't. Can you tell me, we always, because we did go deep, God, I, I'm going to have to listen to this one. I loved it so much. And I'm going to, what's the show again? Believer. Believer, going to watch it. And Zealot is your amazing Zealot book. Zealot is well. my previous book. I got another book coming out in uh, October, October, November. Okay. Does it have a name? Yes. It's called God. Good title. With a lowercase g. Yeah. Didn't you already have one with a lowercase g? God, well, not no God. God, but God, no God is but my God. book on uh, the history of Islam. Like it's a popular sort of history of Islam. Uh, and then Zealot was uh, my biography of the historical Jesus, which I think you would really, really dig because yeah. it's very much. I watched along an interview that you had about it, and I was yeah. I was pausing it and literally writing down verbatim what you were saying, <laughs> yeah. which you've already uh, done in a book. So yeah, I should just, so you <laughs> just get the book. <laughs> Cheap ass. Um, and uh, and then this next book is about. Kind of what we've been talking about a little bit here, which is where the, the how the concept, how the idea of God arose in human evolution, and how it's evolved to the place where it is now. Where, like, mm. if I say the word God, like what you immediately think of, yeah. that that's a long human evolutionary process mm. that actually got you to the point. Where you think whatever it is that you think, That's whether right. you're a believer or not, you know. When I say the word God, 
there's this there's this there's this thought that pops into your head. That's right. And it's the same thing. This for... story is the 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 the, the history about uh, how that thought got there. Interesting. That's that's a very mushroom thought because when oh, you yeah. go like read this book I on say, mushrooms. Yeah. I, uh, I say I'm frustrated, and I'm just assuming that you know what that very strange. It's kind of like life is a metaphor thing. We're we're all dancing around what's really going on. Very very interesting. Here's the the question that we asked to kind of cleanse the palate. Is a short one. Uh, can you remember a time you laughed very, very hard? You could be a child. It could have been this morning. And it doesn't have to be uh, a good story. Just where were you? What what, what was going on? Um, probably like your last stand-up special. <laughs> was, uh, was laughing pretty you mean faces and sound on, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, on HBO yeah, now? Exactly, yeah. Oh, it's that's on great. HBO as we speak, uh, I believe. <laughs> no, it literally, it literally was on last night. Is and, that right? And I had seen it once before. But my oh, wife, I'm honored. My wife was like... Let's watch it, and I was like, "It's good. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna love it." And we I just love your wife. And and watch it. And my wife, my wife is like the nicest person on earth. Mm. And uh, and uh, and your comedy was like perfect for her. That's right. That's yeah, I, that like, sounds like oh, a fit. He's a ni- He's so nice. That sounds like a fit he's for such me. Such a sweet, nice guy. Well, Reza, no, I, I have to talk to you again. We have to do it again. I'm going to watch the show. I'm going to read some books, and we're going to do it again. Let's do it again. I'm not even asking. I'm, I'm insisting. <laughs> it was a real honor. Thanks, this is going to really bring some it. grace and peace into the world and, and some healing, I hope. It, I couldn't oversell it. It's amazing. Thanks, Would man. you say keep it crispy? It's how we end. Keep it crispy, folks. Can you say it in uh, – I don't want to say it In Persian? Again. Yeah, in Persian. I don't think there's a word for crispy. What's the word for the... fried? Um, oh, well, that's not um... – okay, I can say uh, ain't a tadig. That it's like tadig, which is this like uniquely Persian, like crispy burned rice. People, if you don't, if you if you haven't eaten tadig, go eat tadig. You're all tadig. It's, it's your new favorite thing. Okay, go to a Persian restaurant. Say, get me some tadig. Oh, I was going to ask you if you've heard the quote: um, "God is the name we give the blanket we put over the mystery to give it shape." Wow, that's beautiful. That's a good one, right? Yeah, that's a good one. I've Googled it. I don't know who You've said it. You've got a it. lot of quotes. Yeah, is... just a lot of like. I'm telling you, comedy in this ship <laughs> tied for first. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate it. <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com. 